This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave in the piney woods of north central Florida, God's country. In the Melvin Law Studio, Melvin Law, the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida Gators and a full-service legal firm, protected 24-7, 365 by crime prevention, our good friends, John Pastore and Randy Elrad, and sponsored by, shoot, GTR, Outdoor Range, Safe, try it, Allstate, Insurer, Julio Casio, Hoser Medical, Reconstructive Surgeon, On-the-Spot Dry Cleaner, wonderful people. Check them out. And, of course, you have got to have your hair done at Style Cuts. David Ratliff, good friend. I can go on and on. r r Construction, good people. Patronize the people who patronize us. And we thank those of you who sponsor us. And we thank those of you who donate to us. Really helps us do the investigative reporting that we do with a very low budget, practically a non-existent staff. But the staff we have is excellent. And of course, all you members of the research team were made up of the community who give me documents, give me tips, which we look into. And today I'm going to pursue several of these tips a little further that you have given us and ask you some questions about what you think about what we've discovered so far. And it seems that the Gainesville Sunset kind of watches what we do and then responds. And yesterday I'm told there was a quick scurry to correct the perception shall we say, of a story I reported and broke yesterday about Tony Jones. So uh, we'll get into that a little bit more. I want to frame this whole discussion, which will be taking place for the next few minutes, about law enforcement, juvenile crime, shootings, all the business, which is now, so to speak, a hot-button topic, the guns and the kids and et cetera. And you know how these discussions go. Discussions, 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 and things don't get any better. One of the most significant events, I'm sure history is going to show this as we later on get into the Georgia indictment, has been COVID. COVID gave the absentee ballots a reason to be heavily emphasized. 
the absentee ballots were financed by private money. Those absentee ballots are difficult to validate. If there's any voter irregularities, as they say, they'll be difficult to ever trace, not because of the old Dominion machines or whatever they were called, but because of the absentee ballots. Now, the other significant event, which has, a pro- has had a profound effect, and it's becoming more and more profound. The farther, which is the measurable time, we get away from it. The farther in years we get away from it is the George Floyd killing. And the reason I use the word killing is that it's not a murder. And the responsible media outlets never call it a murder even though the police officers were charged with it, found guilty of it. It was a killing. And we've talked about the difference. But now it's becoming very clear, aside from that particular focus, that that distortion of murder and killing and doing your job And what do you do with somebody like that who is a giant of a man who tore up a counterfeit bill of his, he'd given one of his own people, one of his own black youths that he ripped off? How do you detain that man when he's high on drugs? And how do you do it with cell phones and people bugging you on the sidewalk, and a liberal community. Remember, I'm going to connect some dots for you. Obama bust Muslims who arrived illegally in the middle of the night to all parts of the country but heavily into Minnesota. Minneapolis, I'm told by people who lived there once upon a time, was a wonderful place. I know somebody who went to a very good high school there. I think it was called Morningside at Dino, something like that. Excellent high school. No more. No more. Minnesota, Minneapolis is one of those Cities has been taken over by the liberal Democrat. Now, the Gainesville Sunset said that local numbers in officer shortage mirror the national trend. And it came out of the USA Today Network in Fort Myers. And Why is that the case? Why is there such a shortage? Well, May 25th, 
2020, just three years ago, a little over three years ago, George Floyd died when the Minneapolis police officer, Derek Chauvin, and they always have to put this in the narrative, who is white, put a knee on the neck of the man who was black, and there you go. The narrative is off and running. That the cops are racist, and the black, in this case, hoods, he was a hood, is the victim. One of the statistics in here by one of the law officers who used to teach at the academy, the police academy, police academy was part of Santa Fe College, where I taught. Is that they used to have a waiting list to get into the police academy. And the average size of the recruiting class was 45. Now, how this gentleman says, they are lucky to get 20 or 15 people on an academy wait list. If there's a wait list, people Fewer and fewer people, men and women, any longer want to be in the law profession, the law enforcement profession. And the Fort Myers paper reports that salaries used to be the issue. But you know, the guys who enjoy what they're doing, that really wasn't the deterrent. Um, what has become a recruitment issue, as you know, is the focus on police brutality in minority communities. If you take a look at the mugshots that we publish on the wardscottfiles.com website, There are 120,000 hits a month, I'm told by production, on that part of the website alone. What are people going to the mugshots for? Well, the liberal community of Gainesville dictated that to put the images of the people in the mugshots, and boy, are they ever wanting one for Trump. Isn't it interesting? The liberals don't want a mugshot for the locals, but they're dying to get one for Trump. It's pretty typical of people. Bundle of contradictions. Now, those mugshots, take a look at them, are indeed, if you 
catalog it. Mostly minorities, mostly black, men and women, but not entirely. But certainly disproportionately to the members of that race in the community. So the liberals don't let the Gainesville Sunset or even the Alachua County Sheriff's Office to publicize these mugshots. But it's public information, and you have a right to know. Alachua Chronicle also has As far as I know, we're the only two people who has So you have a narrative going that is very, very fictional. Very fictional. The truth is, we know where all the crime is focused mostly. We know it's getting worse. We know it's getting worse with the children. We know that the courts are getting more lenient. And we know, therefore, that the law enforcement officers who put their life on the line when they go answer a domestic call or they stop a car are becoming more and more demeaned. If you go to New York City Police Department, for example, you will find out that those cops has been in the blood of their family. Their grandfather was a New York police officer. Their father was a New York police officer. They're a New York police officer. That's the way it can sometimes go in law enforcement. But that's drying up. In New York, for example, I don't know how much you know about trigger pulls. On the range, in competition shooting, you try to have a about a two-pound trigger pull. I believe the Glocks come out of the factory with about a five-pound trigger pull. I'm told by the law enforcement people that just in New York, New York alone, the trigger pull is 10 pounds. That's done to discourage the cops from using their gun in a combat issue. That's twice the factory pull and considerably more than the competitive pull. Now, why is that the case? Is it the case to make the New York police officer safer? Or is it to make the victim less apt You get the picture. It is my experience 
because I was in a classroom. I've had dozens and dozens and dozens of young guys in my class over the years who were law enforcement people, wanted to be in law enforcement, who wanted to write well. And the reason you want to write well is because in words you have to capture what happened in the incident. And those words have to be careful enough that they hold up in trials. Now, on Ward's bulletin board, I have a post called The Ride Along. You need to take a look at it, perhaps. It'll give you a flavor of what it's like. Do a ride along sometime. Find out what it's like to have to be part psychologist, part military mind, part negotiator, and a very good writer. So the Gainesville Sunset copied or took from the Fort Knott Myers paper this article, which is pretty thorough, about what the salaries are about the state, about uh, how difficult it is to get people, more and more increasingly difficult to get people to come into the profession. I don't know how you can be a police officer, for example, in Naples, which is one of the wealthiest communities in the state, when you are going to earn as a trainee about 50000 a year. Now, you got some very wealthy people to protect there. 50000 a year. I'm taking race totally out of it. Let's put class into it. It is a bargain. A bargain. 50000 a year to some of the people I know in Naples is pocket change. So into this menu, if you will, of law enforcement issues comes a story I reported on yesterday about former police chief Tony Jones. I know Tony. Tony can't write. To be very frank with you about it. Everybody knows it. But, you know, somebody can write for him, I guess. But he's been in police work. He's a minority. Got to have minorities in police work. Got to. What if Derek Chauvin had been black as well as George Floyd? It would have been different. It would have been very different, I would venture to say. Now, the documents I provided yesterday for you are the legal documents of the hiring by Brian Kramer, 
of Tony Jones. Nowhere in of this document, which is an oath of loyalty as an investigator and the appointment of the investigator, does it say anything about Tony Jones being a volunteer at the state attorney's office for Brian Kramer. I put those documents out to the public yesterday morning. In the afternoon, Andrew Kaplan wrote a story wherein he says Tony Jones was going to be volunteering with Brian Kramer. Let me suggest something to you. Andrew Kaplan's story is not the official document. The official document says the following. I, Tony Jones, a citizen of the state of Florida and the United States of America. Are you ready for this? And being employed by or an officer of the state attorney's office, 8th Judicial Circuit, and a recipient of public funds as such employee or officer do hereby solemnly swear or affirm I will support the Constitution of the United States and the state of Florida. He signs it, and then beneath it, it says, the foregoing instrument was acknowledged before me this 23rd day of June, 2023. My Tony Jones, who is personally known to me, or who has produced identification, who did take an oath, signed Brian Kramer. Brian Kramer was a student of mine in English at one time. Brian, what you swore to if Andrew Kaplan's story is correct, is a lie. Which is correct. Andrew Kaplan's Gainesville sunset story? Or your oath sworn to? And Tony Jones's oath sworn to, which is true. Furthermore, 
This was signed on the 23rd of June, 2023. At this time, Tony Jones is still drawing a check from the city of Gainesville. And if it's true that he's not going to retire until October 1st, 2023, he's drawing two checks, is he not? Or are you just not going to pay him from the 23rd of June to October 1st? And if that's the case, why isn't this document clear? Why does it take your old teacher to catch this? Why does your teacher have to catch this? And what did I catch? Did I just catch sloppy writing? Sworn to sloppy writing? Or do we need to do a public records request? to see if any checks have been dispersed since October 20, uh, since June 23, which we will do with the help of those of you who donate to our cause to be able to do these kind of things. And you know who you are. I keep that kind of quiet, by the way. So I have the official document. It's a public record. Nowhere that I can find in Kaplan's Gainesville Sunset article, it's not in the article in Logical Chronicle, does it acknowledge there was a mistake are misspeaking. So right now, as far as the Ward Scott Files is concerned, this document is the truth. I, Tony Jones, a citizen of the state of Florida and the United States of America, and being employed doesn't say volunteering by an officer or the state attorney's office, eighth judicial circuit, and a recipient of public funds as such employee or officer. Do hereby solemnly swear or affirm, hey, is this perjury? Perjury has to be where you testify one thing one time, and testified on another thing to another time, and the two don't jive. I'm sure he wasn't under oath when he talked to Andrew Kaplan. I have seen Tony Jones under oath in his deposition. A deposition he had to give when he, the champion of reducing crime, on a homecoming weekend, was talked into by a black female commissioner, city, to personally going out to a rap session 
with captains who complained and bitched about it the whole time to provide law enforcement protection or a rap session probably didn't have a permit run by a convicted felon with a gun who was shot by another criminal and was all made possible. Are you with me on this stuff? By Tony Jones, personally. Now, you know, don't get me wrong. It's impossible to not like Tony. But we're talking about competence. You know, we're talking about people getting over on the system. Bouncing around, pretending to be something they're not. This guy has got no record for reducing juvenile crime. It's increased. There's a story with this story that I'll get into after the break about a grand jury that has been seated and now disbanded. I get all this by people from the research team, so I don't have documents on it because they've kept it real hush-hush. A grand jury that was seated to try to find something that the sheriff Watson had done that was criminal so that they could have the governor come down and remove him. Now, there's a history to Brian Kramer and Clovis Watson. Clovis Watson was also a student. Clovis Watson, as I recall, did not go along with Brian Kramer's push to become an omniscient kind of law enforcement squad over the H Judicial Circuit which is more than Alachua County. There was a falling out between the two of them over this. Because, I'm not going to put words in the sheriff's mouth, but I'm going to tell you, Brian Kramer is considered to be, and we're going to check this out and prove it, soft on crime. A rhino. He's got a Democrat, Tony Jones, does it, hello, hello, volunteering now. All of this is taking place in the context of people being discouraged to get into law enforcement. And young kids becoming better and better criminals. That's the context in which all this is taking place. And there are events which sustain it and show it to be true here locally. So there was a grand jury. Here's what's so suspicious about that. Kramer is the same one who criminalized the civil case between Bossard and Drotos. 
I'm going to get into the story after the break. Do you recall? Do you recall the SWAT team going to the real estate office? And furthermore, GPD to this day, which Jones is a part of currently, the city of Gainesville doesn't have a canine unit. The sheriff is providing the canine unit. And yet you've got a state attorney trying to convene a grand jury to find something criminal about the sheriff, I'm told. And I'm also told that grand jury has now been disbanded. Furthermore, their governor is going to appoint, if I could be wrong, but I predicted, Emory Ganey to be the sheriff. That's another guy he gets over on people. When the Republicans need a black male, they roll out either Emory Ganey or Robert Woody. Keep your eye on anything that improves. I'm just giving you the story. I know all these guys. I like all these guys. I go way back with them. But this is about the community. This is about people being on their game. And not playing tricks on people. And not playing tricks on people. This has all been covered up. Don't you understand? We found this. This was a document that was signed on the 23rd day of June. Why did the Gainesville Sun come out with it on August the 14th? Well, we broke it the morning of August the 14th. August the 14th, almost two months past the date, this guy signed this document. A sensible person would ask, has he been getting paid then? And if so, can he draw a check from the state attorney and be employed by two different people who could be a conflict of interest? There's all sorts of questions. There's all sorts of questions. And we on and behind all that, we got a city being run by seven or eight people who don't seem to know what they're doing. And believe me, I know I've been a city manager. You understand? I've been a city manager. I've been a professor. I've been a coach. Come on. We'll take a break and be right back on the Ward Scott Files with the weather. 
Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. Attention all Gator fans, Melden Law is giving away a chance to experience the Florida Georgia game like never before. Two nights stay at the Hilton on the River, dinner at Ruth Chris Steakhouse, two premium tickets to the game, and a football signed by Coach Billy Napier, and much more. Go to the Melden Law Facebook page and look for the VIP experience for two. Good luck and go Gators! This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, Large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Wardscott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All these poop. A warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! All right, welcome back to uh, Ward's Weather Report, brought to you by Lewis Oil. Chevron stations, fossil fuel, all for it. Use it. Patronize a great supporter of ours, Lewis Oil. Well, it's 79 degrees right now on my computer, going up to 94. It did rain like crazy in Gainesville yesterday, which was a great relief. But I've always been one, I've always wondered, uh, and Josh Zumbrun has helped me understand what heat indexes mean. Now, I am sure you have heard that. Well, the temperature is 90, but the heat 
index says it's 120. There's actually a heat index that's cited here by Josh Zumbrum in his article in the journal. In the Persian Gulf International Airport in Iran, that registered 152 degrees this summer. But what does all that mean? It's possible for one index, according to the author here, to read 90, while another reads 100, and a third reads 110. Because the two most common measurements are the heat index and the wet bulb globe temperature. But they both have limitations. For example, high humidity. It will make a given temperature more stressful because high humidity makes sweating less effective. But there are two ways a heat index can mislead. The first is that the weather service calculates the heat index once humidity is above 40%, which means it's always higher than the temperature. At 90 degrees and 40% humidity, the heat index reads 91. With the temperature the same, but humidity at a more dangerous 75%, the heat index reads 109. So I'm beginning to understand now that a heat index takes into account humidity. And if the humidity is high, the actual feeling of the heat will be even higher. The wet bulb globe temperature is um, met by, it was been come up, came up with by the military in the 50s to monitor heat stress in training. And the military still uses it. It's actually the average of three indicators. The regular dry bulb temperature, the wet bulb temperature, which incorporates humidity, and the black bulb temperature, which accounts for sunlight and wind. But unlike the heat index, this measure can be misleadingly low. The wet bulb temperature is arrived at by covering a thermometer with a room temperature water-soaked cloth. So when humidity is extremely high, 100%, the wet bulb temperature will equal the wet bulb, uh, the uh, uh, wet bulb temperature will equal the dry bulb temperature. So it's very complex. It is um, basically tied to humidity. And I got no problem with that. The humidity does, by golly, make it feel a heck of a lot hotter. Or let's put it this way. They should really call the heat index, should they not, an uncomfortable weather index. When is the weather uncomfortable? Well, I'm looking at my chat here to see if you are asking any questions about this uh, paradox, if you will, in what we are now investigating about the state attorney's office. Something's amiss. Something's amiss. And it's taking place in a context that is hurting enrollment in police recruiting. Now, you remember, you recall, I'm sure, that we had a, uh, well, let me just give you an example in, in Seattle. Seattle is 
kind of one of the places that Gainesville would like to be like. You know, for as long as I can remember, the pea green underhands, who, by the way, she praises Tony Jones. She has all the cliches, you know, all the understanding. That's the problem. A pea green underhand has about as much understanding of youth crime as she does of my cattle, which is nothing. But Seattle and Portland and those towns, oh boy, you give them a chance, that's what games wants to be like. But there's a retired Seattle police officer. He was a police officer for 23 years. And he wrote to the city leaders what's called an unfiltered, raw, an unapologetic resignation letter. Um, Instead of filling out the standard exit interview form, uh, and it's a woman, Jessica Taylor, she wrote a scathing letter in which she lambasted the police chief, the Seattle City Council, for allowing the city to descend into anarchy and chaos. Now, the reason I'm sharing this with you is because of the things I'm seeing. The city of Gainesville, with crime, and it's not just me, it's perceptions of a lot of citizens, is on the verge of being a city in anarchy and chaos. Already, people don't want to go downtown. Unfortunately, this hurts the Hippodrome, a wonderful organization. It hurts some of the restaurants. If it were not for, probably, county government and the government being downtown, there wouldn't be anybody downtown. Has been the speculation. Now, listen to this tirade by Lieutenant Jessica Taylor against the city of Seattle. And see if it echoes anything you have in the city of Gainesville. She says, the police department of Seattle has been a breeding ground of lies, deceit, favoritism, and rampant corruption. I'll let you put the dots together. The mayor has been spineless. The prosecutor's office, too lenient. The city's downhill slide, a result of failed leadership. Now remember, this is a city that Gainesville wants to be like. She accused the policymakers in Seattle of caring more for politics than the well-being of Seattle residents. To the extent, she says, that criminals are now running the city. She says the Seattle City Council has lost touch with reality and is making decisions that defy common sense 
and basic logic. Does that sound like any city we just talked about? Their priority, she says, of the city fathers, the city council, is playing politics and pandering to radical ideologies. Well, if the shoe fits, wear it. So she just obviously had to get this out of her system. And Seattle has gotten rising crime, homelessness. The police department is is understaffed. Hello. Response calls from 9-11. And by the way, if you think the appointment of Emory Ganey is going to fix any of this, I got some swamp land in South Florida you can buy I know Emory, and I, I, I like Emory, but I'm just telling you, check the details. So you've got homelessness, rising crime, an understaffed police department, slow response times to 9-11, calls from people. Um Might as well add Minneapolis to that. She said she loved Seattle. She was involved in the community, but uh, she couldn't remain silent about what was going on. Um, Bryce Stimson of the Fox News organization interviewed her for this. Any of you know... Than what this name means, and we'll say it. I'm going to look at the chat line and see if anybody knows the significance of the name I'm about to say. Joan Meyer. Let me get a sip of my coffee from my Mr. Right cup. There's a little delay. See if anyone knows the significance of my, any of my students know the significance of Joan Meyer. Or Mayor. M-E-Y-E-R. Doug is watching. Doug is Whitaker, but I guess he doesn't know the significance. I don't blame you. Somebody out there may know the significance of this name, though. Joan Mayer. M-E-Y-E-R. Uh, Plantation Mark doesn't ring a bell with him. He's one of the best informed guys I know. Okay. She's the 98-year-old co-owner of a small Kansas newspaper who collapsed and died at her home on Saturday, a day after police raided her home. And the Marion County Records, which is the paper, her family paper, raided their office this raid, and we I don't have it. We could have run it, I guess. Production may be able to find it. Of the cops coming into the newspaper office 
taking the computers, taking the cell phones, is so much like the SWAT raid on the real estate the real estate office. Thank God there were no ladies there 98 years old because it turned out to be such a stressful situation for her. They've had this paper in their family all their lives that she was overwhelmed, stressed beyond her limits. And died the next day. The cops took her computer, a router, an Alexa smart speaker from her home, not just the newspaper office. Officers at the records office seized personal cell phones, computers, the newspaper's file server. Why do you think this happened? Why do you think this happens? A couple seconds on that. Well, listen. Okay, show the video for a second, please. Production has the video. They took uh, a laptop and my mother's computer and my uh, from my mother's house and the computer of the vice mayor from her house. In addition, they took the vice mayor, mine, and two of our reporters' personal cell phones uh, and have not told us when they're giving them back. is the type of stuff that you know Vladimir Putin does that third world dictators do this is Gestapo tactics from World War II okay there we ran a little bit of video thanks production for digging that out real quickly um, this has to do with newspaper investigating obviously people in the community with power, the raid, this Mr. Mayor, which you saw there, believes, was prompted by a story they published the week before about a local restaurant owner. And um, this local restaurant owner was involved with a public reception for a political candidate. And the police chief and other officials attended and were acknowledged at the reception. And Evidently, um, this didn't sit well with people at the city council meeting. Um, and that became a an issue. So there was a two-page search warrant signed by a local judge alleging crimes by the newspaper. Well, this is the reason I, I put that briefly in our narrative, in our classroom today. It's when you, a guy like me and Ward Scott Files and my helpers, my research team, you people who support us, we have to be the ones who discover the oath issue in the Tony Jones, Brian Kramer case. 
We have to be the ones. There's something wrong. When we have to be the ones who cover intensely the Drotos Bosshart case, there's something wrong. And when we discover that the case rested on evidence supplied by a party to the case, which Kramer signed off on and GPD signed off on, there's something wrong. Or at least there, be, there should be some questions asked. And then when we discover this whole thing was a mediation settled by Rod Smith, I'm told, hush, hush, to get this thing to go away. You've never heard that. You don't know that. And the parties to the case have been told to keep their mouth shut or the settlement's off. Hey, hey right. That ain't right. I meant to get into the Georgia indictment today. I even called the show the Georgia indictment. I didn't even get to the darn thing. Man, is there a story there? I mean, I've got, I've been researching it because I'm trying to understand that. And I thought I'd get to it and I didn't get to it. I apologize. I apologize. I apologize. And by Monday, yeah, I can. The Atlanta Journal salivating over the Trump indictment. And so it's going to hinge on the RICO thing, which is, is a stretch. But, uh, you know, that's not the point. The point is to tie this man up so that he can never be the president again. I, I recommend that Ron DeSantis keep his powder dry. Ron, you keep your powder dry, brother. Because these people... They come over and they get you a little bit, too. And I'm going to cover that. Hopefully, Monday, I'll cover those two stories. But I had to share this with you. You're my students. You guys have got to go out and run the communities. But you have to do that with a lot of information. Otherwise, you you won't be able to run it effectively. So we try to do our job. We appreciate the uh, Sponsors, and we appreciate you contributors who uh, keep us going and research money. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. Ward Hall Command Center out.